Thanks for listening to the Christ Covenant Sermon Podcast. For more information, visit ChristCovenant.com. Amen. You can take a seat. I want to welcome you today. Um, Frankie, if we can go ahead and bring the lights up so we can see everyone. I want to welcome you. I'm uh, one of the pastors here. My name is Jason, and uh, I know uh, I saw several of you um, that are visitors today, and I'm so glad you're here. I'd love to meet you uh, even at the end of our service today. Um, we, we have a, a great area and we invite you to stick around as long as you want to. After the service, we call it the Covenant Lounge and it's just a great time to, to engage with, uh, with one another and uh, we just really want to be a place uh, where people are known. And uh, so I'd love to, to love to meet you at the uh, end of our time together. Uh, we are in the middle or we're coming to the culmination today uh, of something that we've been talking about uh, in one way or another for several months now, uh, kind of our, our Finding Atlanta vision. Uh, and so if you are a guest or a, visit, a visitor with us today, I'm, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're going to get to learn more about this today and see where, where we are going. But the members of our church uh, have really been preparing for this day and preparing to engage with, with what God is doing. And, and at the end of this service, I'm going to call upon uh, those of you who are members to engage with what the next two years of our church looks like. But if you are new here and, and you don't have one of these booklets, or if you're, you have missed the past couple of weeks for whatever reason and you haven't gotten one, I do encourage you, if you'll just kind of slip your hand up, you don't have to do a big tall raise, just a little like subtle cool raise, and Graham and Blake are coming down the aisles and they'll just pass. They've got several of these booklets available, uh, but it's a, it's a helpful tool. It really outlines... Um, what, uh, what we believe, the elders of our church believe, is the, the ministry direction vision for our church uh, over the next uh, couple of years that we have uh, together. So we're going to get to that. I want to review that in, in just a little bit. Uh, but right now, let's look at something that's a little bit more immediate. Uh, just a, a quick announcement uh, for this week. And, and kind of as I'm giving these, our, our ushers are actually going to come at this time and go ahead and take up our, our offering. And so our deacons, if you'll go ahead and come forward and uh, engage uh, with our time of offering. I'm just uh, so grateful for those of you who give. I know a lot of you give online, but uh, uh, we'll, we'll pass that at this time. But on Thursday night, just one quick announcement as we begin. On Thursday night, we it's, it's really going to be fun. We're going to build a, a huge fire out uh, right on, right kind of on along Peachtree Road. Uh, we're going to have the spotted cow uh, at the Covenant Collective. And so we've actually got like a big fire pit that we've been working on out there. It's going to be a really cool night. So if you're a man uh, and you like meat and fire, uh, then the spotted cow is for you. We always have a discussion topic that we talk about uh, at the spotted cow. This week we're talking about leadership. And uh, one of the cool things about the Spotted Cow is it's, it's, not, a, it's not an event that you come and watch. It's, it's a forum that you engage with. And it's actually open to everyone who comes to engage with. So I just want to go ahead and invite you uh, to engage, to come on Thursday night. There's a little uh, blog post that we posted about leadership just to com- get the conversation started. Uh, but that's Thursday night um, at 7 p.m. It's a great chance to bring a friend. And one of the reasons we do this, kind of going to the next slide here, just to talk about some of our vision. You know, we want to be a church. If we can go to the next slide. There we go. Uh, we want to be a church that really trains gospel fluency, where you not only understand the gospel, but you know how to apply it to every part of your life, how to help other people apply it, 
Uh, so that's one of the reasons we have these conversations, these little leadership topics or the, the topics we talk about, like leadership, because we want you to understand, okay, how does the gospel inform who I am as a leader? And of course, these are events where we come together as a kingdom family that help us to be more faithful kingdom ambassadors. And, and everything that we try to do, as we've been talking about this, we, we try to do along kind of our, our vision of being a gospel-centered, kingdom-focused, mission-active church in our city and, and, of course, beyond, hoping that the influence will carry even to the ends of the earth. And that's what we've been talking about over the past three weeks, what this, what this vision that started two years ago is just an idea uh, will hopefully look like in the next two years. Um, and so if, you, if, you, if you're getting just new, I, I can really review this very quickly, and, and I'm just going to say four kind of simple points the things that we want to do over the next two years that are outlined in this booklet, and there's, there's more particulars here, so I do encourage you who haven't read through this to read through it, but really the four things we want to do in this booklet are, number one, we want to add some pastors. We want to have some leaders, some shepherds that are going to care about our church. We want to continue to expand our children and student areas, getting the right kind of leaders there, and so we're, we're trying to Think even now through what do our staffing options look like there. Let's go back uh, to that. We're still on the first slide there. Uh, so yeah, and, and we also want to eventually, some point in the next two years, hire a discipleship and mobilization pastor, somebody that um, can come alongside. You know, Blake and I is kind of the di- discipleship eldering pastors of our church, um, and and really help shape the congregation. You know, it's 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 amazing if you think about all that we have going on. We have more than twenty groups. Uh, that are growing, that are healthy, that are robust. We have all sorts of different ministries going on. We, we're creating our own curriculum. We've got the Covenant Institute. Um, we've got a lot of interesting resources like Think Through It, um, other men's and women's ministry events going on. And really, that's a lot for, for two guys to kind of manage. We have a great uh, team around us of other elders and, and other staff, but uh, we really need, we'll eventually, if we want to continue to move forward, need this um, this other pastor. And then the last is we've been talking about is a biblical counselor, someone that can give really full attention uh, to the counseling ministry of our church, both the training lay counselors and also to, to providing free counseling for our church members and the community. So I'm really excited about this kind of first point. And, and going along with that, the second thing we want to do is we want to expand ministry. And uh, of course, that's expanding all of these areas, our children, our student area. We want to continue to expand our discipleship ministry, just continue to, to try to be as effective as we can be. You know, for example, the Spotted Cow, one of the reasons that we do this is we care about men and we want to engage men and call men uh, to be godly leaders of their communities and their homes. Um, and we need, uh, we need an expanded ministry uh, capacity to be able to do that. And then the third thing uh, is really that we've been talking about is go global. We want to engage with ministry all over the world. Uh, we're talking about next year having four, at least four distinct and uh, maybe even up to six legitimate ministry partnerships, uh, one in North America, uh, one in this kind of Western hemisphere, one in Western Europe, one in an, uh, among an unreached and unengaged people group uh, that we want to invest heavily into. We, we desperately want to be a multiplying church. You know, it's, it's interesting. This is just something that God has done at Christ's covenant that we didn't try to do. Like, I was just talking to Blake about this this week. We didn't mean to do this. We didn't try to do this. 
This is just this just happened. But there are nine people at Christ's covenant right now. This this small little church, this small little one-year-old church. There are nine people that uh, want that, that are pursuing seminary education that want to be trained for full-time vocational ministry. Nine people in this one-year-old little small church. Uh, you know, there are churches, there are big churches that go along for years that don't have anybody that engages with sort of full-time vocational ministry. And in our little first year, the Lord's given us nine. Again, we didn't try to do that. We didn't mean to do that. That's just something that God is doing. And we want to be a good steward of that. And, and we not only want to be a church that sends resources, financial resources around the world to ministries that desperately need them, but also that sends people. So we want to go global. And then the last thing, number fourth thing, is we want to begin saving for, or continue to save for future, save for the future. What we're calling this is an opportunity fund. We don't know what the Lord's going to do with our church. We may continue meeting here at Sutton Middle School forever. The Lord may provide a building for us someday. We don't know what that is. We just want to be diligent um, in putting some money aside. And, uh, and we're going to be talking about how are we're going to approach that. But one of the ways we're going to approach that is through... Uh, one-time gifts, and you can. Uh, we'll talk about that later in the service. So we have a lot of vision here, uh, but but really, this is why we spent so much time and so much energy on this in, in our services and with the dinners. Is that that we want you to be a part of it? And, and really, at the end of our service, we're going to ask those of you who are members to to fill out a vision card. How you're going to engage with this ministry? How you're going to financially support this ministry? And your individual vision for however God's leading you is going to determine our corporate vision. You know, a lot of times when churches do this, they have a big goal. We don't have a goal. We don't have like a number goal uh, because we just want to be obedient. And, and, and we trust that God and His Holy Spirit is leading and guiding our uh, members here. And as you listen to the Lord and obey the Lord, whatever happens, uh, I believe, I fully believe, will be from the Lord. Um, so there's a lot more to talk about in that, and we're going to continue to talk about it. But now I, I want to invite up a couple who, um, had just a, an amazing couple in the life of our church, but uh, they have um, engaged with one of the things that we hope to do, one of the things that we want to see God do. Um, they have been helped by this uh, at a different church earlier in their lives, and so this is Chris and Aaron Glover, so welcome guys, so glad y'all are here, y'all have been such an encouragement to this whole body. Uh, before, you know, uh, we get started, I always think it's, it's amazing, you know, Chris, they found the church on Yelp, so uh, glad y'all found us there, I hope our Yelp reviews are good, but uh, anyway, I'm, I'm so grateful for you guys, and y'all have been such an amazing part of, of the life of this church, but I, I want to talk to you about the Biblical Counseling Center. Sure. Because that's something that we've been talking about with this vision, something I think that a lot of people at our church think is an important thing, and I know it's something that um, has been important in your life. So I'd love to just hear kind of your story and how God has ministered to you uh, through a ministry like that. Thank you, Jason. We, we are here together because of uh, biblical counseling, and I, I can say that, you know, knowing that, uh, that God led us through that process because good can come from it and, and and our story a little bit starts I'm 42 years old I've known Aaron for 38 of them we were four when we met at the Kitty College in Albertville Alabama and so that was you know this it's kind of funny but you know it's not a big deal everybody in that little town knew everybody else 
So, but we started dating when we were 15, and six, I was, I just turned 16, and we just, you know, we were just had fun and dated, and then we went to college, and then she followed me to law school and supported me as I went to law school, and we got married, and, you know, we got into our 30s, and we, we kind of had just gone through, chased our careers, and I had, we just moved to a new city, um, and we've been together, you know, we're young, we're still, you know, 30 years old, we're, a lot of y'all are that age now, or about to be, and we had already been together for a long time, you know, over 15 years, and we've got these kids, uh, we had these really serious financial problems that hit us. Uh, we were in desperate financial shape. Um, I was trying really, really hard to turn that situation around. Aaron was really focusing in on the kids, and we just neglected each other in our relationship. And, and we really had some sins in our life that, were, that had gone back a lot of years, that had gotten magnified because of our lack of focus on the gospel and God's word and his plan for our lives. And so we end up getting to this place in our lives where you can expect, I mean, you hear my story, you know what happened. You know, we end up being miserable. And we end up being miserable with each other. And, and we got to this point where we needed help. And, and that's what God did. Um, he brought us to uh, a biblical counselor who allowed us to refocus the, you know, our, our, our lives, our, our eyes, through the vision of, of what God intended. You know, James tells us in chapter 4 that it's these impure inner desires of our heart that cause us to quarrel. You know, but that same chapter also tells us that, that when we resist the devil, that when we, when we turn and draw near to God, when we, when we focus our impure hearts uh, on God and, 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 we make the, and we purify our hearts and our minds, um, and, and the process of doing that requires being filled with the gospel, being, filled, with being willing to do what God wants you to do. And the way God did that, the way that he refocused our lives and made us to see everything, our marriage, our finances, our children, to see everything through the gospel of Jesus Christ was through a biblical counselor because, you know, not everybody needs that, but we did. We had gotten to the point where that, we need somebody who was specifically trained to, to do that. And, and when we, and he, he showed us through that process, he showed us, you know, what God's word really looked like and, and we got to this point where we were reminded because we were Christians but we were reminded in that process that Jesus Christ had done every single thing that needed to be done that there was no problem that we had there's no situation in our lives that couldn't be changed for the good and, and we were reminded that that we uh, that we could we could do that but we had to know what God's word wanted us to do and we had to be willing to do it um, and, and we had to be able to realize that, that we had to live our lives with an eternal perspective. It's not about right now. It's about live every decision and, and that God can, can take anything and make it good. Um, and that, that's what he did. I, I'll let Aaron talk, talk a little bit about that, but um, we're here today because of it, and I'm so thankful. Yeah, that's such a great story, and, and just you're reminded of the sufficiency of the gospel and the sufficiency of Scripture through that. Aaron, yeah, what, what do you have to add? 
what, what had happened was pride. I mean, I thought he was wrong. He thought I was wrong. But what we were able to, you know, go and be reconnected and realize that we were both wrong. We both needed our eyes put back on uh, Christ. And, I mean, no bride walks down the aisle thinking, oh, one day maybe I'll end up in biblical counseling. I mean, nobody <laughs> does that, you know. But um, just the opportunity to see, like, where we had gone and how amazing our God is. I mean, like, our marriage is better than it's ever been, and there's still, like, things that we, you know, I mean, years past that that we still use for <coughs> biblical counseling. And, you know, we take time in the mornings for it with each other, and we talk deep, and we hold each other accountable, and um, we are, you know, open and honest about everything. You know, we come to each other and say, okay, this is, I'm, I'm struggling with this. Can you help me? And had we not been trained in that, I don't, I hate to see where things went, but. Well, that's such a great story. And really, this is, this is the kind of story that, that we're trying to meet. And uh, I love just the idea. A lot of times, you know, when you go to your church for counseling, you know, pastoral, they'll kind of outsource you to, to some other center, and then they never really hear back from that person, and that person is not in communication. You know, we really believe that this done within the context of the local church, within a community of people that know what's going on and care what's going on and can come around side a couple uh, like the Glovers in that time of their life, uh, it's just so transformational. And uh, something that I've seen God work, something that they've seen. And so, yeah, I think this is a huge step for our church, and it's a, it's a step that I hope our church is going to be making together. So can we thank the Glovers uh, together? So really what, what we've been talking about in this whole, you know, idea, this whole Finding Atlanta vision is... God taking this little idea, you know, 34 people two years ago in this room. It was the first time we ever met in this room, and there was only like 35 people here, or, you know, just a few of us here. 34 people kind of banded together and said, hey, we're going we're gonna to try to do this thing, this church. We're going to try to launch a church together. And from that little vision, you know, this happened, this church that's, that's flourishing where there's ministry happening. And really, I think what we're talking about is taking the next step as a church. For those of you who are parents, uh, you know what that's like. You know, the first step, you're just trying to keep the baby alive. You know, your, your goal when, you're, when your child is an infant is just don't die, right? But then, of course, like the baby gets to where it's probably not going to die, and then you want to teach it how to, to walk, and then eventually you've got to teach it how to go to the potty, and eventually you've got to teach it how to eat, eat and feed itself, and, and on and on and on. And that, that's, that's what this church is. We're, we're a little, we're kind of moving out of infancy stage and we're, we're trying to learn how to really walk and really be a church that I, I pray deeply impacts this community, this city, um, and the world. And, and over the past three weeks, to help us think about what God might be doing here and what he could do here, we've been looking at another church as a model. We know this church is the Church of Philippi. It was a church that was planted about 1970 years ago or so. And, and, and in this series, we've been looking about how this little church was formed and what it really, today we're going to really look at what it became. So a few weeks ago, if you were here, we looked at the Macedonian call when Paul was called over to Macedonia and the work of this ministry began. And I said that in one way or another, all of you, I believe this, all of you have been called to Christ's covenant, especially those of you who are members, who, who are here. I don't know how God called you. I don't know what God did to call you. Um, but I, I really believe that, and I hope even since that sermon a few weeks ago, you've been thinking about your own Macedonian call, how God got you here, and what he's doing in your life since you now are here. 
And of course, last week, if you were here, we looked at the, what began to happen at the Church of Philippi, how that church began to, to form together, and, and how those things in Macedonia began to shape and begin to, to cultivate, and, and how God was just so at work among those people. And, and as we think about that together, this church at Macedonia, the church at Philippi, if you think about what God's doing here, you know, just one story, I was so encouraged by last week. Um, we had uh, our first Sunday, which is our new members class. And I think this is amazing. We had 16 people come. Uh, they were all young, single people, uh, you know, 20s, maybe, maybe a few early 30s. And I thought about that. You know, here's 16 people in their 20s. They could be going after uh, a church that they could just kind of pop in and pop out of and not be seen and kind of live a reckless life alongside that. But they're, they're seeking a church like Christ's covenant where there is accountability, where there is discipleship, where there is care for them. And I just think that's amazing. And, and you're doing that. That's what God's using you to do. So the second week, of course, we can go ahead and get our points going. We, the second week, we looked at the church of Macedonia, the church of Philippi, what God was doing. But this week, we're going to be looking at beyond Philippi, what, what God was doing beyond this time at Philippi. And actually, we're going we're gonna to get out of the book of Acts today. We've been in Acts chapter 16, but now we're going to go to the book of 2 Corinthians. And actually, if you, if, you, if, you have, if you don't have a Bible today and you need a Bible, uh, we've actually got some Bibles in the back. If you, if you just slip your hand up, you can get the cool hand slip up again. Uh, we'd love to give you a Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, you can, of course, take that Bible uh, home with you as our gift to you. But we're going to be in 2 Corinthians today, chapter 8. This is a fascinating passage of scripture because what we're reading here is Paul's writing a different church. This is not to the Philippians. This is not a story about the Philippians. This is Paul encouraging another church, a church in Corinth. This letter is being written, you know, six years or so after the church at Philippi had come together, after the Macedonian call. This church had been formed. It was growing. It was flourishing. Things were happening. And Paul is writing this, this other church that was trying to grow and to flourish. And he's saying to them, look at what's going on over at Philippi. Be encouraged by what's happening at Philippi. And he refers to it here in the passage as the, church at Mace- the churches of Macedonia or the church at Macedonia. Again, that's where Philippi was. And one of the things that we see about this church in this Corinthians passage is that the church of Philippi was known throughout the whole Roman world as a generous church. So just two things that we're going to look at today. The first thing is the generous church. What does a generous church really look like? And then secondly, we're going to look at the motivation for generosity. We're going to look at the generous church and the motivation for generosity. So let's, let's start with the generous church. Um, and just look at encouraging how this church of Philippi is. Let me just give you a, just a couple of specs on them. I think that in some, so many ways, they're kind of an unsung hero of the New Testament. If you think about the New Testament, you don't say, oh, the church of Philippi, that was, that was the church, but, but they are so critical. Um, they're doing so many things. Here, we're looking at a passage where they're being encouraged, or, or Paul is encouraging the Corinthians because of the Philippians' generosity, but the, the book of Philippians, that, that book that so many of you have read, that you've been encouraged by, really the, the occasion for its writing was a thank you letter. Paul wrote that book kind of primarily to thank the church at Philippi for doing what? For supporting his ministry. So if you think about all that Paul did, 
one of his primary sending churches, the, the church that really came alongside him and supported him and allowed so much of the ministry that God was able to do through Paul to happen, it was all happening because of this little Philippian church we saw last week, a bunch of random people coming together to start this church that, that, that through their generosity is shaping the whole Roman world. But here, of course, let's look at what Paul says to the Corinthians. He says, I want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. This is this is the church of Philippi and other surrounding churches, the, the church of Philippi being the chief one. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. So what I love about this church here is that they, it's not that they have a ton of money. I mean, as it says here, they're giving out of extreme poverty. You might imagine, well, the church of Philippi, they must have been very successful. That's what made them so generous. But that's not what the text really is telling us here. It says despite their poverty, they are being able to give, despite persecution. If you remember what we looked at last week, I mean, Paul himself went to Philippi and he was thrown in prison for doing ministry. So you can imagine how difficult those early days of ministry were for the church of Philippi. People were very antagonistic toward this spread of this new thought, this new gospel that was going around the Roman world at the time. And this, of course, wasn't isolated in Philippi. All over the Roman world, these early Christians were being put down. They were being persecuted. They were, they were being afflicted. They were losing jobs. They were being put out of their homes. They were facing all kinds of difficult things. And yet this church at Philippi not only is concerned with taking care of their own at Philippi, they're sending money to Paul to support his ministry, they're sending money to other churches that are facing extreme and hostile situations. It's, it's unbelievable generosity here. Murphy O'Connor, a commentator, says this. I love this, I love this line. It says, despite all of their own difficulties, they didn't turn inwards. Isn't that good? When, when you face difficulty, you know, usually when I've, when I've got an abundance I'm, the, I'm a great guy to be with, you know. I'm generous. I, I, when I got an abundance, you want to hang out with me. But when, when, when I have difficulty, it becomes all about the Jason show pretty quickly, right? I get very self-focused. I get very inward-focused. But that's what I'm saying. Despite their own difficulties, they didn't turn inward. Their concern was for others. And the one proof of authentic love, it was this that released the divine power into the world. That's what Matt was saying earlier. There, there's a sense when you are generous and truly generous without expecting anything in return, and particularly when, when you don't have an abundance, when you're just generous because it's the right thing to do and because you're not so inward focused, when you do that, you are like God. You're like God who in the Trinity is giving to each member of the Trinity over and over and over again for all of history, for all of eternity. This is this kind of strange thing that, that is what's always propelled the church forward. And I hope you know that. It's through this kind of generosity, as, as it's said here, that divine power is released into the world. This is how the whole 
early church grew. If you were here a few weeks ago, Colin Hansen was here, and he, he spoke about this, this ancient letter, the letter to Diognetus. And if you weren't there that night, there's this old letter. It's a second century letter. It's one of the oldest documents that we have in Christianity. And this guy, Diognetus, was asking about Christianity. He was saying, why do the Christians behave this way? Why do they do these things that they're doing? And so this guy writes a letter to Diognetus explaining Christianity. And one of Diognetus' big questions is, why are these Christians so generous? Why are they so giving of themselves? You know, why are they so sharing with one another and with others, these people that hate them? And so the, the guy that was responding to the letter, let's go to the next slide here, uh, says this. He says, they live in the flesh, but they're not governed by the desires of the flesh. They pass their days on earth, but they're citizens of heaven. They're obedient to the laws, yet they live on a level that transcends the law. They want to do right because they want to obey God, not because the law says so. Christians love all men, even though all men persecute them. Let's go to the next slide. They're condemned because they're not understood. They are put to death, but they're raised to life again. They live in poverty, but they enrich many. They are totally destitute, but they possess an abundance of everything. They suffer dishonor, but that is to their glory. It's, it's through this kind of selflessness, this, this, this lack of focusing on the self and focusing on other and focusing on the inheritance they, that the early Christians had in Christ, that we have in Christ, the glory that God wants to display, that is how Christianity has always spread, how it's always been known. This is the kind of mark of Christianity, of generosity, that's changed the world. And again, I could go throughout all of church history I'll give you example after example after example of this. You know, one example, uh, one of the most significant moments, one of the most significant points in church history over the last 250 years at least, was 1792 at the formation of the Baptist Missionary Society, okay? It started the modern missions movement. So everything that, that we really know about modern, at least Protestant missions work all throughout the world kind of begins 1792 in at this lady's house in this little town in England, okay? It's an amazing story. These pastors got together. This guy named William Carey had written this book. And I got a little picture of the, this is not like the original front, but here's the title of the book. You know, everybody's trying to come up with cool titles these days. Here's what 18th century books were titled. An Inquiry into the Obligation of Christians to Use Means for the Conversion of the Heathens. And then it goes on. <laughs> in which the religious state of the different nations of the world the success of the former undertaking and the practic uh, practicability of further undertakings are considered by William Carey. So they would write, they were a little long-winded back in those days. But anyway, he had written this book. People had read it. They realized there's a lot of people that don't know Jesus all over the world. And these pastors got together and they decided we're going to do something about it. Little town, this, this, this little, this lady's house, okay, these 13 pastors get together, they have a meeting, and they collect. They take up a collection, okay? And they're a big collection. Now, these are meagerly paid little Baptist pastors in England. Their first collection was 13 pounds, I think, uh, two shillings and six pence, okay? That's not, that was not going to be enough to start the modern missions movement. So they all went back to their churches. They all went back to go fundraise, okay? They're going to go. They're going to talk about missions at their church. They're going to go fundraise. They're going to come back. 
together, and they're going to bring this big thing. And, and they're all excited. They're all going to form this missions movement. They're going to change the world. And they go back to their churches. They go fundraise. They come back together. They have their second meeting, okay? Second meeting comes. It's a rainy, cloudy, gloomy day. And uh, they, they all come back, and they, after doing all this fundraising, they had only collected 26 pounds, four shillings, no pence. And so they're really discouraged. This whole thing could have fallen apart. I mean, they, you know, they only got double from their churches what just they, the little meager pastors, had given themselves. And then there was a guy, Samuel Pierce, who got there late. And he, from his church, brought one gift of 70 pounds. And there's this guy, John Ryland, that writes about the moment. And he says, you know, I thought that the whole thing was going to fold. Now, that may be a bit of an overstatement. I don't know if the whole Baptist Missionary Society would have folded if Pierce had not shown up. But maybe it would have. I mean, there's been, how many of you guys have been a part of something where the first meeting was really great, the second meeting was a little less great, and the third meeting kind of never happened, right? It could have been that. But this guy shows up with 70 pounds from one church, and when Kerry got news of that, he was like, I'm ready to go. Now, he still needed to raise more money, but he, he knew it would come. It's what gave him the wind in his sails. And, and that, that, as I said before, this divine light spread because of the generosity of this one little church, Cannon Street Baptist Church in Birmingham, England, and something great began, and history has been different ever since. Through generosity, divine power was released into the world. So that's what a generous church can do, and that's what generous churches have been doing throughout history, from Philippi to Cannon Street Baptist, and even to churches like Johnson Ferry, who, who really provided the means to get this church going. But let's talk about now the motivation for generosity. Look at verse 7 with me. So Paul is writing to the Corinthians, and he's saying, look, look at this church of Philippi. Look what they are doing. But then he says this. He says, you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and all earnestness. And in, your, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also, in your generosity. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. Okay, so how do you know that you have a genuine love for God? Paul's saying here that one of the ways is through your generosity. And then verse 9, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Look, you know, over the past few weeks, you know, we've, we've, we've tried to make this vision compelling. And I think that it is. I'm excited about all of these things. And, you know, we've tried to communicate clearly. We had these dinners. We've had these booklets. And I, and I hope that you're motivated by all of those things. I hope those things motivate you. I, I hope you're motivated as a church just because you're on the ground floor of something. I mean, I, I, you know, whether you're just getting here today, this is still such the ground floor. We're still so at the beginning of this. And there's such an opportunity to shape this and to be a part of this. You know, you're not just another number here. We have 182 members, and I know all of them. You know, we are a family. We are a part of... A thing. We, you're a part of this. You're, you're in on this. I mean, this is where we are as a church. 
you know, two years ago, 34 people got together around an idea today we have a church that's doing great things in our city. And, and I hope that the same kind of faith that, that some of you and, and, and they showed two years ago, you would show as we go into the next two years. So all of this should motivate you. It motivates me. But that kind of motivation, ultimately, when things don't go so well, you know, if that 34 people would have gathered and today it was like 38, that kind of motivation eventually wears off. And compelling visions and, you know, nice brochures, you know, those are great. They're important. But eventually it kind of like, eh. But what Paul does here is he says, this is what doesn't wear off. What's ultimately to motivate us in our generosity? What was it that ultimately motivated the Philippian church? What was it ultimately motivated the early church in the face of great persecution to be known by their generosity? What was it that motivated this church in Birmingham? And here's what Paul says. Here's what he says. This is what should motivate you as a Christian. You know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. What motivates you to be gracious and generous? It's because you know. You know the grace of God. You have experienced generosity. You know the generosity of God who, though he was rich. I mean, we're about to study Advent. We're about to think about Advent and Christmas together. And I love Advent. It's it's an amazing time, but it's easy to get distracted and not really think about, meditate on what we're actually celebrating. We are actually celebrating that God above all else, came to earth as a child, as an infant. God who reigned over the universe, who had all comfort and all glory, identified with us in this very real way. That's that's what we're about to celebrate. He was rich. And he made himself so poor. And beyond that, he, he made himself spiritually poor. He who was totally one with God, he who is God, took on all our sins. He became sin. He was crushed in our place. This is the kind of poverty, the ultimate poverty that Jesus has experienced so that we, through his poverty, could be made rich in him. Uh, Paul says, look, the church of Macedonia, they're doing some great things. You should be compelled. There's a great need out there. But listen, you know the grace of God who for your sake became poor, who for your sake made himself low so that through his poverty you might become rich. And Paul is saying, if you really believe that, then it's easy to get behind the work of God. If you really believe that, if you really believe that for your sake God became poor so that you could be rich forever, spiritually rich, taken care of forever by him, then it's easy to get behind what generosity looks like for the sake of his kingdom. So in a few minutes, I'm going to ask you to, to take a card. We, we passed them out on the way in, just like this, and to fill it out. And, and there's been two questions we've been asking through this whole thing. And if you're new, I'm glad you're here. But we've been asking you to engage with two things. What are you going to, how are you going to engage with ministry? And how are you going to give and resource uh, what the next two years of ministry uh, look like here. And we really need, I mean, you know, I just want to say, you know, ministry happens because people get involved. People make it happen. So I, I don't want to just pass over 
the engage with ministry part, we really need people to engage with children's ministry, to engage with student ministry, to engage with this biblical counseling ministry, to engage with our worship ministry. So as you've been praying about this, I, I hope and pray that God has been giving you clarity in where you are to engage. You know, I, I was talking to somebody this week and they were so excited about this one particular ministry and they said, well, can I engage with two things? Yes, absolutely. What does it mean to engage? It really means we're, we're looking for, uh, you know, about an hour or two of your time every month, kind of as a minimum. That, an hour or two of your time every month that you're willing to give to one of the ministries that, that, that we have at our church. And you don't have to write down one of these new ministries that we hope to start. It can be something we're currently doing. You're just like, I want to get engaged with that and make it great. Another reason we've been talking about this for so long is we didn't want to catch anybody off guard. You know, one of the things the Bible says, if you look at 2 Corinthians, flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 with me. Paul, again, he's still talking to the Corinthians about this, and he says, look, the point is, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. But then I love this. He says, but each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. And so I just want to say, I don't want anyone here today, you know, when we have our little commitment time later, no one's going to look at you like, oh, he's not giving. I mean, I don't want anyone to give reluctantly. I don't want anyone to give under compulsion. My hope and prayer is that as we've been talking about this, particularly for those of us who are members, that you've been praying about this. I know a lot of you probably came already with a card filled out today and, and praise God for that. And if you didn't, I pray that even now you would hear from the Lord and just obey him. And so at, at this time, I'm just going to, I've been going through this, but I, I really do want to make this clear. And I think it's a good and helpful process. I've got the, the huge card uh, to help you out with here. Here's Ryan. Thanks, fan. Yeah. Uh, but, but really in terms of engaging with ministry, you know, one of the things that I felt compelled as I was just praying through this, and I'll just put this down, is, is just engaging with our prayer ministry. Um, I want to, we, we must be a church of prayer, and I, I want to, as, as I'm leading, as I'm thinking about where we're going as a church, but this could be students, this could be children, it could be, uh, you know, a number of different things, and, and I, I hope that the Lord has been leading you on that. And I think this is a, just a great process to go through. The reason we did it like this is I think it's just, it's a helpful thing to think about your current giving in, in 2018. So where, where are you currently? And, you know, some of you guys have been enormously, amazingly generous. It's, I'm just blown away with how God is providing for the needs of our church. You know, some of you, this number, as we said last week, is zero. I mean, this is something that you've just never really engaged with. It's never been a part of your life. And that's okay. We're just encouraging, if that's you, I want you to get started somewhere. You know, maybe this year for you, you're able to say, you know what, I could probably do $2,000 this year, you know, $5,000 maybe the next year or whatever. I can't do a one-time gift, but you have a total, you know, commitment there over two years of $7,000 that you're investing eternally into the kingdom of God. That's, that's a lot better than zero, right? Um, you know, some of you, you know, God has blessed you, have a great household income. You've been like a tither. Let's say you have a $100,000 household income, and you've always been a tither. And so, you know, this year, uh, or rather this year, you're going to give, you know, $10,000. Uh, but as you've prayed about it, you say, you know, I, you know, I think I can, I can take a step up. And that becomes twelve five, and, and, you know, and on from there. And I, I won't have to go through all these scenarios, but this is really what, I, if you haven't done this, what I'm asking you in a few minutes to do is just really think about 
What does stepping up like look like for us? And these one-time gifts here, we're going to take these and seed this savings account that we've been talking about, the opportunity fund. Uh, we're going to put it in a restricted account uh, that one day when the Lord makes it clear what we're supposed to do with that kind of money, with, the, with those resources, um, we'll, we'll have some resources there. So I, I encourage you to pray about that. And, and there may be something that you have that's, that's just kind of easy to slide into there, some stock that, that you could sell at the end of this year, uh, some, sort of, some sort of resource that you have that you say, I just want to, I wanted this to be the Lord's. I want God to use it. Um, and so I, and here in a few moments, we're going to just have some time where I really want you to think about this and, and I'm going to ask you to engage as faithfully as you can. You know, I just want to remind you of the passage here. Why do we do this? you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you're a Christian, why, why would we ever think about being generous? Well, because we've, God has been so generous to us. And he's been so faithful to us. And he's been so good to us. He, for our sake, Jesus became poor so that by his poverty in him we could become rich. And you know, it's interesting. I think in response to this, in response to the grace of Jesus, you know, Jesus gives this, this great kind of principle. I think it's a fascinating passage. He says, where your treasure is, your heart will be. Where your treasure is, your heart will be. And you know, you've probably heard that before. It's kind of a common passage of Scripture. It's well known. But I, I don't think I ever really thought about it until a, a couple of years ago. Jesus doesn't say where your heart is, your treasure will be, right? You, you would think that's what he would say, right? If you believed in me, you'd get invested with me, right? If you really believed in me, if you really said you were following me, then you would get on board. But he doesn't say that. He says where your treasure is, your heart will be. There's a sense where heart tends to follow treasure. Whatever you get invested with, whatever you buy into... There's a sense where heart and faith goes along with that. And I just want to say too, you know, and I hope this goes without saying, but I just want to say, you know, this is something that Paige and I have been in. You know, we don't get a pass on this. We don't say like, well, you know, we're, we're the pa I'm the pastor, so we, you know, that's our gift. No, we, you know, we're, I've gone through the same prayer process that, you know, that I'm asking all of you to go to. And look, I mean, there are months in our life, just like y'all. I mean, look, things are tight. We got three kids. We got an expensive mortgage. And it's tough. And it's tough to make this a priority in our life. And I hate to admit that because I'm, you know, I'm supposed to be super spiritual. But for us, for us, it's so many things. It's, it's the light of God going forward. But for us, one thing that it, it so is, is, is it's a reminder to us that God is providing for us. It's not the church, you know? I mean, we're not saying, I mean, with the church takes great care of us, and we're grateful for you guys, but it's not the church. It's not my work. It's, it's not my, you know, due diligence. It's not because, you know, we've been successful doing that. No, it's just, it's a, this great moment where every month we get to say, you know what? God has to provide for us again. And he does. God provides for us. And so I just want to encourage you in this area of your life, you know, it, it, where your treasure is, your heart will be. And, and as you get invested in the kingdom, your heart for God will just grow. You know, yesterday, 
thousands of people all across this state were happy because their team won and thousands of people all across this state were sad because their team lost. And you think, man, that's kind of strange if you think about it. Why do all these like adults with families and jobs care about what these 18 to 22 year olds do on Saturday? And the reason is, is because a lot of those people, a lot of people, I'm one of them, we went to those schools. We invested time there. We invested money there. We got invested there, and now our heart's there. We can't help it. That's, that's the principle. That's what Jesus is saying. You want to you really have a heart for me. You want to believe in me. You want to be in with me. You want your faith to grow. Get invested. Be obedient. So let's bow our heads. I want to pray. Father, I thank you so much for what you're doing in our church. Um, I thank you that this church even exists. Uh, it's amazing to think about the last two years that, um, that we've had together of, of praying and hoping and just seeing you move. And Father, as we look ahead to the next two years, uh, Father, we do so with hope. We do so, Father, I pray with faith. Uh, this is your church. This is your vision. Uh, <coughs> I cannot do any of this. We cannot do any of this. And so, Lord, I, I do just pray that you would speak to our members now. Uh, you give them obedient hearts. Uh, and that they would faithfully engage with, with whatever you say. Lord. And uh, I pray, Father, that on all of this, you'd be glorified. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Christ Covenant Sermon Podcast. If you have any prayer needs, questions, or comments about the sermon, we would love to hear from you. So please text us at 678-951-9041. Or feel free to email Jason at jason at christcovenant.com.